there is only one privately held agent-centric interdependent real estate company driven by purpose and community led by the Steve Jobs of the real estate industry that is building proprietary technology to protect and elevate the role of the true real estate professional in an industry that is now trying to turn them into low paid functionaries. That's a big statement. It really explains why I say no to all the recruiting calls I get. There are brokers in my market who spend hours a day calling agents to get them to change companies. Some agents change companies thinking it will be the one thing that makes a difference in their business. There are some good reasons to change, but you have to be sure you're not jumping ship to solve a problem that you're going to take with you. After all, no matter where you go, there you are. But I want to dig into this statement and expand on each section of it so that you understand what I mean. And if you are interested in talking more, I'm here. I'd love to introduce you to a team leader that can go into even more depth with you about Keller Williams. I'm going to cover this in two podcast episodes just to keep it under about 20 minutes each. So listen in and make sure you get both of them. Let's talk about the first part, privately held. Does it matter? You know, we are the only real estate franchise company that is private now. All of the others are public. Century 21, Berkshire Hathaway, Remax, they're all public companies. So I'm gonna borrow some statements from Simon Sinek, the author of The Infinite Game, and a riff he did a while back about capitalism. There are two flavors of capitalism you can look at. One is Adam Smith and the other is Milton Friedman. Adam Smith believed that the customer always comes first. And Friedman says the purpose of business is to maximize profit. And that was the only thing on Friedman's list. Smith had more to say, but Think about this. Adam Smith said the customer always comes first. And in the case of a real estate brokerage, who's the customer? Well, it's the agent, isn't it? Unfortunately, we followed Friedman since the 80s and 90s, and we can see the damage it's caused. And it's going to continue to cause it for the foreseeable future. When you focus only on profit, it causes a lot of negative consequences. It's because you're scoring an infinite game with finite rules and measurements. Go back and look at Simon Sinek's thing about infinite games. But, you know, staying in business is an infinite game. The purpose is to stay in business. It's not to win or lose or be the, you know, be the one that makes the most money. It's about to be the one that's still here. Things like laying off the workforce to make the numbers look better. There's a consequence of playing an infinite game under finite rules. The numbers weren't bad. They're still making a profit, but they were not to the level promised in the last quarter's meeting. So laying off great workers happens. There's a lot of other consequences, but let's focus on calling this big thing 
shareholder supremacy. Publicly held companies are going to be focused on that instead of customer service, focused on short-termism, and the C-suite will be focused on equity over the performance of the company. Seth Godin says, public companies come with a great caveat, a giant caveat. They are owned by people, the shareholders, who might sell out at any moment and new ones can take their place in an instant. That's a problem, potentially. And if they don't see that they're making enough profit or whatever, they pull up Robin Hood and sell their shares. can be a big deal, especially for the long-term health of the company. Agents come and go in this business, and we're not going to change that. Making agents into shareholders won't change the focus. Being privately held, focused on the performance of the company and growth of the agents, has caused Keller Williams to achieve number one status worldwide. We've focused on our agents, our customers, provided the best training for years, and have higher retention rates of producing agents. Success leaves clues. So I think it matters whether it's public or private. It can go private. It can, I mean, sorry, it could go public, but it's got to be done in a way that retains the customer comes first attitude. There may be other companies out there that can do this and can pull it off in spite of having shareholders, but I'm not so sure in the long run if that's the best thing. So the next phrase or comment in that, in that statement was agent-centric. Agent-centric. What does that mean? It sounds like something from a mission statement on the wall of the corporate center that no one ever reads. Or it's a philosophy of investing in what matters most to the health of the company. We are an agent-led company. Our Associate Leadership Council, ALC, has real power over how money is spent at the market center level, how corporate statements need to be enlarged and enhanced to include equity at the international level. And those bodies are composed of the top agents in each market center. You must be in the top 20% of producing agents in your market center to get an invitation to serve on the ALC. And honestly, not everyone in the top 20% is invited. You have to want to give more than you take in most cases to be invited. The team leader, along with the other staff in the market center, chooses who gets invited. You agree to serve and participate as a part of the ALC, but the leadership in the office also commits to serving the ALC members. This means more training, teaching you how to run your business like a business. Most agents never get to that level. Agents treat their business like a job, trading wages for time instead of learning about profit. Profit instead of wages, more important in my book. How to decide where to spend the money and how to grow your business. Those are things that your fellow ALC members and the leadership team of the office will help you with. Agents don't, that don't get invited or don't even qualify for an invitation are included by the ALC, 
by making the, themselves available to teach, coach, and mentor the agents who want to grow to become leaders in the office. And ultimately, get an invitation to serve on the ALC in the future. We all want everyone to grow, to become a better agent, to qualify for an invitation. It's not a private club, but it is an exclusive one. Office leadership teams will make time available to agents who want to grow. We'll even do it for agents not at Keller Williams so they can see how it can help their business. Our hope is that you'll come and join us, but it's not a requirement if you want to see how it works. No pitch, no pressure, just help available to those who ask. You can ask me if you want. I've served many times on the ALC, and I've been an agent and an associate broker for a long time. I can help you if you want, but you're going to have to ask. Raise your hand. So part the, the next part of this is being interdependent. Now, what does that mean? There are three models, basically, in real estate. There's the dependent, the independent, and the interdependent. So I'm going to define them so that you'll know which one you're working under and then why interdependent is different. Dependent, the agent is dependent on the broker. Generally, the broker will provide signs and lock boxes and marketing materials and lots more, but the cost to the agent is a high split that never ends. 50-50 is not uncommon, even for residential agents. Most commercial brokers I've worked with are inside this model. Many brokers will provide leads and help some in nurturing them, but it's also common for the broker to be competing with the agents for the same business. Agents don't typically build their own brand or book of business. If they leave this company, the contracts stay with the broker. And this is the way most companies worked up until the 70s or 80s. The next model is independent. In the 70s and 80s, along came some companies who gave a larger split to the agent, but they pushed desk fees and lockbox costs and signage onto the agent's budget. This appealed to the seasoned agent who needed very little in support to keep their business productive. Some of those companies take the split and desk fees and buy advertising that drives consumers to a corporate website. Those can become leads to the offices that they dole out then to the agents. Most of the time, those leads go to the top producers, some to the newer agents, and that is one way they support their agents. One comment about companies who provide leads, it makes the agents dependent. They need those leads because they've not been taught how to generate them on their own. An old adage, there is no free lunch still holds true. So if your company is giving you free leads, you may want to rethink the value of that. Interdependent. That's what I said we'd talk about. It means we can count on each other. Not to take this analogy too far, but I'd like to think that we have each other's back. I went through the Great Recession in a great KW office. In 2008, I was number 10 out of about 80 agents that were left, and I didn't cap. 
that year I sold about a million dollars in volume, but at the splits and such, that's less than minimum wage. I still did more than most agents in the office, but it was tough. For the next four years, as we rode that train down the hill to 2012, which was the bottom of our market, I sold more. I was consistently in the top 20%, but still struggled because it was tough to make enough money when the market value had dropped by about 40%. Through it all, our office was a refuge, a positive place to come meet with like-minded agents and leaders, focus on what we could control and grow. Our vendors, those folks that would come to our meetings, all said it was the best place to be during the week because you left better than you came. One story I'll tell is about Bob. He joined Keller Williams in 2012 and came to family reunion in New Orleans right after that. Now, if you're not familiar with Keller Williams, you don't know family reunion is our national gathering once a year. We pick different places around the country and we'll have eight, 10, 12,000 agents show up at that event. And it's a training event. There's lots of breakout sessions. But that year we were in New Orleans and Bob had been in real estate a whole lot longer than I have. But that's part of the story. After the first day of classes and a couple of general sessions, we arranged to have dinner together. There were about 15 of us there, as I recall, and as we ate, we began to share what we learned. We shared what we thought about each session that we went to and whether we recommended them to the ones who hadn't seen them yet. We each took a turn to share and Bob went last. I was sitting directly across from him. He was quiet for a minute and said the last hour was something he had never experienced, ever. Agents willing to share what they knew, what they learned, and open with what could have been information to help them beat the other agents in the office. He'd been a part of dog-eat-dog offices, lazy offices, and all sorts of other offices, but had never seen an example of what just happened. Interdependent is an abundant perspective. Most companies operate in an environment of scarcity, and that's just not how KW operates. I will readily acknowledge we are not for everyone. This is unique. It's a part of our culture. Seth Godin, I, I love his definition of culture. He says, it's people like us do things like this. And I believe that's true. I'm going to end this um, particular podcast right now. We're going to continue in the next one. Um, I would just say stay tuned, get the next episode, and see what you think.